This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and mom, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. It's great to be on with you today. We have a a marriage and family therapist on, which I am one, and she's from California and the Berkeley area. So she has got some great information that she's going to be giving us on dealing with loss. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about terminal illness and grief because... uh, long-term illnesses uh, where people are taken care of and then and then they finally die, and dealing with that grief can be a little bit different than other types of grief. So Heidi, want to introduce our guest? I'd love to, and our guest today is also a radio host, and she hosts the show Good Grief, and so you can log on and hear her uh, talk about grief as well, and uh, her name is Cheryl Jones. Cheryl Jones is Manager of Professional Education at the Women's Cancer Resource Center, offering training in cancer and illness competency. She is a support group leader and a facilitator of grief workshops, integrating music into the art of remembrance. She is an Open to Hope writer and hosts the online radio show, Good Grief. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's it's great to have you on today, and I, I've just uh, really been interested in some of the things that you've written for Open to Hope and some of the great ideas you've had. How did you get into the area of grief and loss? Well, uh, in 1987, my wife was diagnosed with uh, what we were then calling terminal. I think the term these days is life-limiting cancer. And she lived another eight, eight and a half years after diagnosis. And, of course, that impacted my life uh, in every possible way. And I was training as a therapist at the same time, so the two joined, and uh, I've always worked in the area of grief and illness. And you worked with some of the luminaries in the field, I must say. Uh, Was that during her illness? You were working with Stephen Levine. I know he and his wife, Ona, uh, did a lot in the Bay Area. Yes, and in fact, we even traveled to spend time with them. They were kind of our lifeline and uh, just did so much to help us grow during that time instead of just survive. Uh, so I credit them with with how well I did um, ultimately with that experience and with my grief. Uh, I just learned so much from them and felt so supported by them. So Cheryl, I know you were a professional in the fields when your when your wife became ill and died, and uh, I was wondering, did that did that help you at all, or or not really? Well, I guess I would say that the the way in which it was impactful and meaningful is that I was already geared towards learning from my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Other than that, what I was learning was so transformative and so remarkably different that um, I couldn't take lessons I'd learned previously and directly apply them. But that idea that we can actually transform through our experiences instead of just sort of 
living with them until they're over did, I think, very much impact how we went through that. Mm-hmm. So talk about transforming. Um, I think about my our audience. They've already had the loss. What kinds of things have you found transforming or did you find transforming that you were able to take? You know, that's really interesting what you're saying about people who have already had the loss because I I wouldn't necessarily have called myself lucky at the time that this experience went on for so long um, because she was very disabled. There were a lot of difficult things about it. But now I do believe that helped me to have that much time to uh, uh, explore what I thought about dying, uh, what that, how that impacted my life, and uh, it, it is it is not possible to be prepared, but it is rather possible to prepare. Um, in either case, whether you you face up to it a diagnosis or later. Uh, I would have to say that self-trust is the most important skill, being able to trust that what you're feeling and what you're experiencing is valid and that uh, you, in whatever ways you can, you deserve your own support. Uh, that's, I think, what changed most significantly for me during that time and in grief as well after she died, and that's what I... Uh, encourage my clients to to also incorporate that they actually human beings are are wired for grief uh, our systems if we listen do do know what to do you know that's interesting because um, with us my son died immediately it was a sudden death he and his cousin were you know were killed immediately in an automobile accident and um it's scary. And I worked in the field of grief mm-hmm. and loss. I was a nurse and I worked on a unit. But, um, you know, it's so physically traumatizing that you honestly wonder if you're gonna, you can live through the experience. That's so, so true. And I'm glad you said physical because I think that's something that came somewhat as a surprise to me and comes as a surprise to lots of people how physical grief is. Uh, And, you know, you can even think you're sick because it's such a strong physical experience. Um, I felt like blood vessels were going to explode in my head. What did you have physically, Heidi? I had bruises all over my, my forehead and felt yeah, physically traumatized, but I like what Cheryl is saying because if someone had said to me that was a professional like her had said, look, our systems are wired to do this. You are going to be able to get through this. I don't know. You know, it's going to happen. Your your system is going to be able to handle it. I think that could have alleviated a lot of my anxiety. My anxiety got pretty overwhelming at times because I didn't think I would be able to handle it. I didn't, like you said, Mom, I didn't think I was going to be able to handle it. That's that's really what I hear from so many people. I won't be able to do this, mm-hmm. which just adds such a profound layer to what you're already suffering, uh, to think that you won't be able to put one foot in front of the other. And in fact, um, in the in the ninety nine point nine percent of of circumstances, if you allow it, you actually can 
Uh, I think a lot of people get in, in trouble because they try to shut it down, which uh, I think it's pretty impossible for most people to, because, of course, it is an outgrowth of connection, which humans are wired to also, that we feel pain when we have loss. So, Cheryl, what, aspect of what, I hear, what I hear my clients say is this. Listening to you, they would say, you know what, we're afraid to get in touch with it because we're afraid if we don't shut it down, if we let it come, it'll become very overwhelming and we won't be able to stop it. Well, since you brought up Stephen Levine, I'll, I'll say what he said about that. Mm -hmm. There is no feeling you've ever had, no experience, internal uh, emotional experience you've ever had that can last forever. Mm. No matter what it is, if you really pay attention, it, it evolves. Uh, he used to have uh, people, uh, he had certain techniques for having you sit with fear, for instance, mm -hmm. and just watch how it was going through your body. And he would have people say later, it passed without my, you know, it just moved into something else. And I was like, no, I'm busy watching you. Don't go away. <laughs> you know, it is possible uh, to actually just ride a feeling through and it will it will move into something else. But I think what happens often is we don't allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. And that that um, constriction that happens when we're when we're trying to move away from an intense feeling is actually the pain, the biggest part of the pain. I'd had a lot of practice with this when my wife died and I honestly was not, um, I was not unhappy in grief. I had a lot of very big feelings, but I'd kind of learned to let them happen and I didn't experience, this is going to sound weird, but I didn't experience a lot of, agony. Well, I like the idea of observing, which it sounds like you were an observer, the idea of observing the feelings, observing the pain and the anxiety and kind of being curious rather than trying to come in and stop it or get really anxious about it or, you know, all these other things that we tend to do. Just kind of yes. be curious about it. You know, you know um, I, I one thing say, I the want way to I say about that for sudden loss versus... Um, a long-term illness is that you did have, you know, some, I hear people debate this. I belong to the Compassionate Friends um, group, and we have the people whose family members died over time say, wow, um, I'm glad I was able to prepare for it and whatever. And then the people like me who had a sudden death say, wow, I'm glad my son didn't have to suffer for seven years. So um, it's yeah. kind of interesting to look at the two. But one of the things about the long-term illness is it does become partially a job, and you had a whole community that was supporting you in this space. What happens when the person dies and you lose that whole – it becomes a whole different paradigm. That is a very astute comment, very true. Uh, for me, it didn't happen immediately. My community um, held me for, uh, they, they got in touch and said, do you want us to just keep doing everything we've been doing? And uh, I said yes, and they did for a month or two. Um, 
And that was very helpful. But eventually it was a matter of me raising my kids and keeping my house together on my own. Uh, and that was very hard to get used to, as you can imagine. Um, I wanted to say just a word about that sudden versus uh, long. In terms of the griever, um, it's interesting what you said, that, that sudden might be easier for the person who's dying. Uh, but for a griever, uh, some people have said there's no difference. I, I think there's a difference. Um, it, doesn't, it didn't change my grief, but I trusted my, t my own territory inside of myself much more than I did when she first got ill. And I do think that helped me. Uh, if you haven't had something to cultivate that before a sudden loss, you have that cultivation to, to do as well as the grief. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. But give me, uh, give us some tips. I know you talk a little bit about post-traumatic growth, and I know for our listeners that can be tough to hear if if you're in your first or second year. I mean, uh, people don't necessarily want to hear about post-traumatic growth, but I think we ought to cover that here a bit because I believe, uh, uh, you know, we're a long ways out, yes. and uh, I think that. Yes. Honestly, if you want to know the truth, I think I'm a better person than I would have been. Well, well, and I think it's a relief. Um, especially for parents to hear that their children's lives are not forever destroyed because oftentimes I know that you had kids, Cheryl, and, you know, yes. parents worry, oh, my gosh, this horrific, they've had this horrific loss and their lives are over. So the idea that there's some post-traumatic growth, I think, is it can be very comforting to people. Yes, within certain circumstances. Um, one thing I love about that viewpoint, which the People at the University of North Carolina uh, are the people that coined the phrase and are studying what what changes yeah, to people. Yeah, to, to death. Is that, yeah, we've uh, actually done a radio what, what show. What they say them. is, want to look at that? Yeah, yeah. What they say is that it isn't the traumatic event that brings that about. That's still traumatic and and might still have ramifications, but it's your struggle with the traumatic event that results in meaning. And so it's not a matter of, um, you know, grow and you won't suffer. It's that we suffer and we grow. Um, for the vast majority of people, there are things that, uh, that they would say, I was just supporting a friend this, this morning who, uh, whose husband is very, very ill suddenly uh, and already in hospice. And she's suffering terribly, but she also said, I didn't know how strong I was. Hmm. Well, that's the beginning of a, a, a growth in her, even though what she's going through is terrible. So post-traumatic growth is not a concept to take away the terrible. It's just to recognize that other things also come out of our hardest experience, things like a sense of our own personal strength, uh, changes in our relationships with other people, new possibilities in our lives, appreciation of our lives, uh, maybe a deepening or changing spirituality. All of those would apply to me. I'm not the same person I was before I went through that. Uh, I, some people on the street don't even recognize me. I mean, I just changed so profoundly. And that didn't take away that it was terrible watching the person I loved in pain. Um, it was really hard work. It didn't take any of that away. It didn't take the grief away. It's just a coinciding um, 
thing that happens for people if they if they allow it. Good point. And 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 if they're willing to go through the grieving process, it's hard work going through the grieving. Hard hard to work. No but question about it. But the fact of not going through it also is very hard work. Mm, that's Trying a, yeah, to hold holding back it that in your blood. body, and it can certainly cause uh, health issues also. So, uh, could you? Yes, you got just some overall misery. <laughs> You've got some great tips on your site. Can you tell people what your site is, where they can find you? Sure. It's weatheringgrief.com, and that's weathering like weathering a storm and grief, grief. So it's got two Gs in there, weatheringgrief.com. Um, I, uh, I love this, this poem, If uh, the last line of which is, if um, if winter's here, can spring be far behind? Mm-hmm. Um, that really you can't uh, you can't prevent the seasons. They they happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can you can hate the winter storm if you want to, but it's still going to happen. Um, that's a, that's another thing I'm very uh, interested in in cultivating is the awareness that we all are going to experience losses in our lives. It's, it's interesting to have had that profound uh, experience relatively early in my life and to have felt a little isolated in it because nobody else I knew at first was going through it. And now I find I'm 63 now. I have a lot of company. You were, you were, um, you were a young, are, you were a young widow. I was a young widow. Mm-hmm. My youngest child was two and a half when wow. my wife died. Wow. So, um, you know, that's that's a particular experience. And I do think um, having other people around you who have some way to connect with what you're going through is remarkably helpful. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who was a year ahead of me. Her partner died a year before mine. And it was so remarkably helpful to watch her go through that because it gave me, it didn't give me the sense how I would go through it, but it gave me the sense that I could. Well, that, you've got some great tips on your site, and, and that reminds me of one of them here. I was just looking at them. One of them says, surround uh, yourself with people who love you. Avoid people who insist you should feel better. Cling to people who let you feel bad. I love those three comments because mm-hmm. people are so important. <laughs> yeah. How to offer good support. I just recently interviewed uh, um, Emily McDowell, who wrote a new book called There Is, go- there is No Good Card for This, uh, what to do when, when people you love have scary, awful things happen to them. And, um, you know, people can listen or be there quite unhealthfully or with a few little tricks up their sleeve be incredibly and profoundly helpful. Um, I think I think my uh, community was pre-vetted because they'd been, you know, living with my wife's illness for eight or ten years. Mm-hmm. And so they had kind of learned how to support people in difficult stuff by the time she actually died. And that was remarkably helpful that I didn't have to tell people what worked for me or what didn't, you know, they, they kind of knew what to come with by then. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, 
what that brings up for me before we close the show is being ill, letting people serve you, having community. Uh, sometimes we're like we want to shut people away that are ill, and the reality is being able to take care of people is such a gift to learn to give and receive and do all the things that we do that are really in their human nature. They're in the heart of the heart work of the world. Yes. And I'll tell you a short story. Uh, we were receiving a ton of help, and I wasn't comfortable with it, as most people aren't. And I made a deal with myself for the next year I'm only going to say thank you um, because I just couldn't keep, like, apologizing every time. You know, it was taking my energy. So I did that for a solid year. And the biggest thing that came out of it is that I noticed that people got happier and happier that I if I that. just gave them a thank you, they were so happy to be doing it. It was so rewarding. It was an even exchange. Wow. So I hope that can help someone out there who's not receiving help because it was a big lesson for me. I love it. Just say thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Just we'll say to you for being you on is, the show today. It's more than adequate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we want to thank everybody for listening to the show today, and we want to always remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own, and please get your friends and family and other people who need support to visit us at opentohope.com, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.